0: Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan. And I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week, the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. Our brand new series called Win the Fight. Uh, we're starting today. Win the fight leading up to Easter, where uh, Jesus tells us it's finished. So we're leading up to Easter with Win the Fight and uh, kind of seeing what it means to fight and to also find out that there's a fight that's already been won for you. And how do I fight now knowing some of those things? And so for a lot of you, uh, especially some of the men who may have grown up in church, you might recognize that uh, there's a fight in you. But it seems like there's nowhere to fight at the church. Like, I want to fight so you go and you spend your time fighting in other areas. And I want to challenge you men, women alike that you have a fight that you're called to win. You have a fight in this life that you're called to fight. It's not, we're not just going to sit back and let life happen. We're not just uh, victims of our circumstance. We don't, we, don't, we don't have a God who's just watching things happen to us. We have a God who is active in our life and is challenging us to fight the good fight of faith. He's challenging us to, to uh, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. He's challenging us to live a life that's the life of a fighter. And so that's what we want to do with this series is challenge you to fight. And so we're going to talk about next week how to fight. Um, and then we're going to talk about how to fight when it's finished. But today, what I want to challenge you with or really check to see if, if you're fighting the right fight. That's what I want to find out. It's like th- some of us are fighting and we're going to realize that when we finish the fight, when we win the fight, it really wasn't worth fighting for. Right? We're going to get to a place in our life where it's like, I'm really working hard at this job and I'm trying to get to this thing. And then you get there and you're like, oh. I didn't actually want this. This is not satisfied. This is not make us happy. I know the one that's the biggest in our culture is uh, like maybe the lottery or winning a million bucks or getting multi-million dollars. And uh, I'm still deceived by that because I still have to wrestle with that because I'm like, I would like to try that. That's a fight I would like to win. But all the stats say it doesn't satisfy. All the statistics, all the people who have won it say it doesn't create exactly what we thought it would. It may help a few problems, but it creates more on the other end. And so there's a fight worth fighting. And there's some fights that we're deceived in. And we think, man, if I could just. And uh, so there's a quote by a guy named D.L. Moody that I want you to hear uh, as we start this. And it says this. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of a succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Right. Our greatest fear Shouldn't be that we messed up, that we failed, that we didn't succeed. Our greatest fear is finding out at the end of our life we fought for something that didn't matter. That we fought a fight that was worthless, that was useless, that didn't make any sense. That it really wasn't something we wanted to attain in our life and to look back and wish we had fought for something different. And so there's a way to fight uh, and how you fight, and that's why we're starting with what you're fighting. How you fight uh, is going to be determined by what you're fighting for. And what you see is Jesus in a moment leading up to the cross. So we're three weeks away or three Sundays away from the cross. It's two weeks from today. Uh, We're out to Easter. And you see Jesus leading up to that moment in the garden. And he kind of expresses in this moment the fight that we're in and how we fight changes based on what we're fighting for. Because when he goes to be handed over, to uh, the Jewish leaders who were trying to arrest him. When Judas comes and gives him the kiss on the cheek and it's that kiss of betrayal and they're about to take him. And then all of a sudden, Peter is like, I'm ready to fight. Finally, all this time of healing people, all this time of doing cool stuff, we get to fight. He grabs his sword. He's not very good, apparently, at fighting because he cuts off a guy's ear, right? There's guys coming to arrest him. He cuts off their ear. I don't know of any reason why cutting an ear off would be a win, so I'm assuming he missed. I'm assuming there's not some Jewish custom where cutting off an ear is a way of shame somebody. I think he was aiming for the man's neck or the man's head and just missed and got his ear, right? And Jesus tells him this in uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 52 and 53. He says, put your sword back in its place place. Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? What Jesus is saying, I have the power. I have the authority. I can win the fight just like you're fighting it. I can win this fight. I can, I can get 12 legions of angels to come down and take out all these people. But he's, what he's saying is this is not the fight I'm fighting. What I'm fighting for determines how I fight. And what I've decided is that I'm fighting for what Scripture has called to happen, not what I would like to happen in this moment. What Jesus is saying is what I'm fighting for is what God wants for us because he has a better plan, he has a better direction than I want in this moment what feels good, what feels right. It would feel great to all of us draw our swords and to win, but we'd only be creating more war because those who live by the sword die by the sword. We can replicate the world's way of winning. We can replicate all of history and how history is fought, Peter, if you want to. If you want to replicate that, draw your sword and fight like the world fights. But if you want to fight different, you've got to figure out what outcome you want. And what Jesus says, the outcome I'm shooting for is what scripture is called to be fulfilled. The outcome I'm shooting for Is what my heavenly father has called me to do. See, Jesus had the power to fight different and chose to fight right because he knew what he was fighting for. And for some of you, uh, you think the hardest fight in your life are the ones that are difficult. That you think the hardest fight in in your life are going to be the ones where you get the most opposition. But I would argue that probably the hardest fight in your life, the one that matters, is deciding you can win and you choose to fight different. To decide you can succeed in this thing, but you find out that the success in that area is not worth me fighting for. So even though I can win, I'm going to choose to lay down my sword. I'm going to choose not to fight for that promotion because that's not what matters most in my life. I'm going to choose to not fight for that new thing, that shiny thing, the next thing, the, the, the thing that makes me look good to everybody around me. I'm going to choose not to fight for that. I'm going to choose to fight for what scripture has called me to fight for. And so what Jesus was fighting for determined how he fought. So today, my question, the one that I'll wrestle through the rest of uh, today's message is, are you fighting the right fight? Like what, are, what are you fighting for? What are you striving for? What, what at the end of your life do you want to say you won? What at the end of your life do you want to look back and say, I, I finished the race God had for me. I did what God had called me to do. What is it that is worth fighting for? Because deciding what's worth fighting for, is also the thing that's going to help teach you how to fight. Because when you know what you're fighting for, you choose to fight different. And for some of us, um, we start talking about spiritual fights and natural fights and figuring out, like, what am I called to fight for? Uh, we can come to church and say, well, that's, that's good for you, Pastor. I'm really excited that you want to fight the right fight, but I'm trying to get by. Like you don't know, you don't know my position. You don't know where I'm at. I'm just, I'm just fighting to survive. So maybe one day I'll get with you and the other pastors on the team and some of these core leaders at the church and I'll fight the way that you're fighting. But, but today, right now I'm in a position where I'm just surviving. So I don't know. you to talk to me about fighting. I don't want you talking to me about my calling and what God's calling me to do. I just want to survive. I just want to make it through. I just want to be able to pay this month's rent. I just want to be able to survive. I just want to get the promotion. I just want to be able to feel like I can get my head above water. And what I would challenge you to, to, to recognize in Scripture and today and as you walk through your week is that you are called to fight no matter where you're at. Whatever you're doing, whatever. if you're still breathing, you have a calling. If God, God has placed life inside of you, he has called you. No matter your position, he says, I've got something for you to do. I need you to live like the fight matters. I need you to fight like the fight matters. I need you to serve the way that I've called you to serve. I need you to live the way that I've called you to live. It says it like this in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. For many of us, we're waiting uh, for the right thing to serve for. We're waiting till we get to the place, till we clean ourselves up enough, then I'll do what God has called me to do. We're waiting till I get to a certain level of income that I can give an appropriate amount to the church, and then I'm starting the fight. We're waiting for the moment where I have enough sin out of my life. Then I can start fighting the fight God has called me to fight for. And what he's saying, whatever you do, wherever you're at, however you are, wherever you find yourself, do your life as though it's unto God. What that means is the fight that you're fighting means that you have a, a calling on your life. You, you, don't have a, you don't have a lesser calling. You have the calling of God on your life. You don't need to wait until you get to a place where you understand Scripture to the level that you need to. You don't need to wait until you understand the New Testament, the context of all of the New Testament. You don't need to wait until you have all the right theological data points. He says, wherever you're at, work is under the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm calling you. I'm, I'm anointing you. I'm gifting you to be wherever you're at, to represent me, to serve as though that master is me to serve as though that boss is me, to serve your family as though that your family is me. I'm calling you. I'm anointing you. I am gifting you. You are called to the ministry the day you signed up to follow Jesus. He's not waiting. He's not waiting till you get to a certain level. He's saying wherever you're at. And if you're saying that's cool, I don't know the context of Colossians. I don't know if that's for me. You don't understand my boss. I can't serve my bosses of the Lord because he's definitely not the Lord. You should hear his language. He doesn't speak as the Lord speaks. It's definitely not what this scripture is saying. You don't understand my position, how difficult it is. And what's interesting about Colossians three twenty three is that in verse 22, he's actually talking to slaves. He says, slaves, serve your masters as though you're serving Jesus. And for thousands of years, we've debated, people have used it as a context to say that the New Testament is justifying slavery. That the New Testament is arguing that slavery should happen, it's a good thing, it's a necessary thing, fill in the blank. But that's not what I think Paul is saying at all in Colossians 3. What I think Paul is saying is no matter your position, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what position you find yourself in, God has called you to serve and to love. God has called you to do ministry. The, the, the terms that we talk about is like anointing ministers in scripture is to anoint servers, people who serve. It's as simple as that. Serve wherever you're at, whether you find yourself in the worst. I don't if you find yourself in slavery, come see us because we live in a culture where we can get you free. We can figure out how to help you. So I would suggest and guess that most of you haven't found yourself in slavery. Most of you, maybe you should be paid more but you're still getting paid. Most of you have a choice and to change jobs. If you want to, it may take some time. You may have to do some work, but you could change jobs. You could do something else. You could cut your expenses. Most of you haven't found yourself in as bad of a position as slavery. And so I know if he says it to slaves, he's saying it to you. You are called. You are anointed. You are gifted to do exactly what you're called to do in this season. Exactly the way God has called you to do it. You don't need anything else. You don't need more. You just need to be faithful in this season to fight the fight you're in now with faithfulness. I remember uh, the first time that I I felt called to ministry. Called to really full-time ministry uh, was the term that we used back then. And I have kind of the worst call to ministry. Honestly, it's not one that I can share in a group of ordained ministers because they would probably look down on me. And probably half of you are going to look down on me for this story that I'm going to tell about my calling. And you'll question is this guy really called to be in ministry after this story? Like, is this really a church I'm supposed to be at? Because this pastor seems like that's a weird calling. Um, And uh, just to cut to the chase, I was drunk when God called me to ministry. Uh, I was 17 years old, so I was living in sin. I was under 21, so no matter what your stance is scripturally on alcohol, I was clearly in sin. There was not a question. I didn't have to go wrestle with my stance on alcohol. I knew I was in sin. I knew what I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't doing it. So there was no debate. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And uh, we, were, we were idiots. Let's just, we'll just kind of shorten this story up a little bit. We're idiots, so we're splitting a 30-pack. Me and a buddy of mine decided it's a good idea at 17 to go to the lake and split a 30-pack um, with some real cool lawn chairs, right? Just me and a buddy. It was like, we grew up in Muskogee. We ain't have nothing else to do. Let's just go sit to the lake and drink a 30-pack together at 17. This makes total sense. We have, we're making good life choices. Uh, please don't leave the church just yet. We have other ministers who are more called and qualified here at the church. <laughs> Than uh than this story. And I'm wrestling in that moment. I'm wrestling with what God has called me to do because I know I've been raised in church and playing the game at that season of like following God but also wanting to do what I want to do. And I'm knowing I'm wrestling with like what God wants me to do, and I'm we're almost finished, and he decides to go for a swim in the lake. This is a great idea. We are making smart choices. Get really drunk at 17, go for a swim on the lake. He did survive, so he's okay. Um, And I'm having a conversation with God. And I remember this. Don't know why I remember it so distinctly because, I was, like I said, I was drunk. I don't know if you've heard that yet or not. And I'm looking at the sky, clouds passing by. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like, I don't really like the direction I'm going. And laid out before me internally, I didn't hear the audible voice of God, just laid out in front of me, I I saw two paths. And I was debating in that season uh, whether or not I should go and and try to be a lawyer, get a law degree, uh, or whether I should go into ministry. And I was wrestling through that. And in that wrestle, I saw myself 20 years down the road. In that wrestle, I could see that in 20 years, as a lawyer, because I assumed at 17, I'm never going to fail. There's no way I could fail. I'm going to be really rich, right? That's what you assume at 17. There's no way. I'm just going to crush it. I love arguing, so I'm going to be good. So I saw myself in 20 years being very successful financially. I got a lot of money. I'm do, Everything's fine. Nothing's wrong necessarily, but I got a lot of money. And realizing that at the end of that fight, at the end of that 20 years, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever, at the end of that fight, I wouldn't be proud of the work I did. I wouldn't be satisfied. I realized like I could see myself in 20 years. It was like, even in the picture of my family, everything was fine. There was nothing wrong. I was married. I was happy. The kids were fine. But I wasn't proud of what I put my hands to. I wasn't proud of of the fight that I fought. I wasn't proud of who I was. And then I knew the other track that I was probably going to be poor because that's what we do. I was probably not going to have all the money that I wish I could have. I was probably not going to make the millions. I was probably not going to hit it big. But I was going to know in 20 years I woke up. And realized, I'm fighting a fight that's worth dying for. I'm fighting for something bigger than me. And if I, if I, if I die in the middle of that, it's worth fighting for. It's worth, even if I don't attain it, even if I, I do a terrible job at it, it's better to know that I'm fighting for something that matters than to live your whole life and succeed at something that doesn't. And so I chose full-time ministry. And what I didn't know that I know now is that uh, I was already called full-time ministry, you are already called to full-time ministry. The idea of full-time ministry is a foolish term because Jesus has already called us the very day that I signed up. The very day that I said I was going to follow Jesus, he said, go serve, go witness, go make disciples, go do what I've called you to do. Love people, tell your story. He's already told us to go and do ministry. And so what I, what I found out years later is that uh, I have, not only do I have actual ADD, but I also have like ADD when it comes to shiny things in life. And I would be absolutely not able to follow Jesus well and do a secular job well. And which is why I respect most of you in here who do that, who do that well, who love Jesus well, who work 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week, and then also show up to church and serve, also sacrifice and follow God and witness well, and I would just make excuses and make excuses until you wouldn't find me in church for six months, and then you wouldn't find me in church for a year, and then before you know it, I may not even believe in God, because I haven't been around His people, I haven't been around His Spirit and what He's called me to do. I would get distracted too easily, so in my weakness, God has called me to ministry in order to keep me contained. Please don't leave the church. I know that that's a silly way to, to, for your pastor to be like, he's so weak. God had to keep him in ministry to keep him saved. It probably is that bad. That's how bad my own social ability to just get distracted by shiny things really is. And because God has called me in this moment and because I recognize the difference between the two now, what I want you to see is that your calling, your calling is absolutely 100 percent, not less than mine. My, my, my ability to get paid to do ministry has nothing to do with whether our callings are bigger or smaller. Your calling, wherever you're at, is as big a calling as anybody on the planet. David was just as called when he was in the the field with the sheep to be anointed and gifted and faithful to guard the sheep as he was when he killed Goliath and as he was when he was the king of all of Israel. He was just anointed as anointed as he could ever be to do what he was called to do in the season he was called to do it. And you, in your position, Colossians 3, you find yourself in what feels like slavery. You're trapped. I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm called to do. You're called to fight. You're called to be faithful. No matter how bad your boss is, no matter how bad your family is, no matter how bad your situation, he says, be faithful, serve, love people well, take it seriously, fight the good fight of faith, do what I've called you to do. And it may be as simple as just getting off of drugs for once. It may be as simple as checking into rehab and saying, you know what, I need help. I need to be around people that help protect me. If my pastor needs ministry to be protected, maybe I need something to be protected. Maybe I need the right people around me to help guard me from being an idiot in my life. Maybe, just maybe, the next step for you of the faithful fight is to get healthy because you know your call matters. You know you need to be the person that God has called you to be, so you need to be in the position that grows you into the person God has called you to be. Fight the good fight. You were called to fight. Life didn't happen to you. God has a calling and a gifting and anointing on your life, and now it's time to see it for what it is, the call of God. So wherever you're at, I, I heard of a church this week that did, did a whole ordination service, so I don't have this quite prepared, so I'm not going to make you stand up or send you home. But just in case you're wondering, wherever field you're in, whatever occupation, however you get paid, wherever you're at, whatever situation you find you in, yourself in, today I'm saying you're ordained. You're anointed for the gift of the ministry, for the work of the ministry. Right here, right now. I, I, I'm in transportation. I work in transportation. Guess what? You're You're ordained. Go do the work of the ministry in the area of transportation. I own my own business. Guess what? Today, you are, you are ordained. You have everything you need to run that business the way that God has called you to, to do exactly what you've called to do with your business, to do ministry inside of that context. Well, I just do accounting. I run numbers. There's no way. You have everything you need to be faithful with the numbers God places in front of you and be a faithful worker to your boss as though you're serving Jesus. Everything you need. Oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom. It doesn't count. No, no, no. You have a bigger work than probably all of us and a more difficult work because I would go and work 60 hours a week rather than do your job. You have a calling to go and to serve your kids, to love your family well, and to be a witness and to be a shining light to all other moms around you. Wherever you find yourself, I'm a teacher, fill in the blank of your occupation. Today, if you've decided to follow Jesus with your life, you are ordained to do exactly what God has called you to do. You are gifted for the ministry. You are called to serve. You are called to tell your story. And the only question that you wrestle with and decide is, am I fighting the right fight? Here's what it says uh, in Timothy. This is Paul writing to a young minister who's called to fight. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 He says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. wherever you find yourself, fight the fight of faith. You decided to follow Jesus with your life, fight the fight. You, you got the gloves now. You got everything you need to fight the fight. God's called you. You have everything you need in this moment to fight for what matters most. And here's, I, I kind of, I kind of led into this a little bit ago. If you're wrestling with what the right fight is, what, this is speculation, Here's a way that I I believe I know how to measure the fight, whether it's the right fight or the wrong fight. Here's the way that I would measure it if I were you. This is only theoretical. I reserve the right to change my mind. But I would argue that the fights that matter most in your life can be measured and decided whether they're worth fighting. If you die in the midst of them, you're still glad you fought them. If you died fighting the fight God had called you to, you'll be okay. You'll be like, I'm proud that I did what I did. I'm proud I fought to be the, the spouse God had called me to be. I'm, I'm proud that I, I fought to be, to be the dad or the mom that God had called me to be. I'm proud that I fought to, to find godliness and faith and love in a dark world. I'm, I'm proud that I fought the fight to, to use my job, my occupation, to be a, a, a witness to other people around me. I'm proud that I fought that fight. And if I die short of it, if I die in the middle of it, if I don't fully succeed in getting my kids where I want them to, if I don't fully succeed in salvaging my marriage, if I don't fully succeed in being all that God has called me to be and I die in the middle of it I'm still proud I fought it on the flip side you go for a million you go for two million you go for a billion whatever your marker is whatever your number is that you get to you die in the middle before you get there you failed and you know you failed I mean you at the end of your life you have to reframe it well I did pretty good I did a, I mean I get to a million but I got half so it's pretty close you have to rejustify it but internally you know you failed if, if your goal is fame, if your goal is to look good to all those around you, if you don't get to the place where you fully succeeded then you fully failed, and I would guess that that's a measure that you're probably fighting the wrong fight. And what happens as you fight the wrong fight, you're going to you're going to be pursuing all of these things and all these things that are not going to sustain, not going to they're not going to satisfy. They're going to be sand falling through your hands. You're going to be pursuing things that don't matter and you most likely won't get them right? Most likely you're not going to get the fame you want. You're probably not going to reach most of us in here. Statistically, most of us in here aren't going to get to the dollar marker that we're really shooting for, that we're hoping for, that we wish we could make the millions, whatever. You're not going to get there. Most of us statistically aren't going to get to the body that we wanted, right? Like we were, oh, I just want to get to this fitness level. I just want to get to this marker. I'm going to get there. I'm going to do a look like this. And then I'm going to take pictures and post the before and after. Statistically, most of us aren't going to make it there. Statistically. And you're gonna you're gonna find that you either, you failed, that you didn't make it. You didn't get you didn't attain all that you wanted to attain, and you're gonna know you failed. But worse than that, worse than that is when you get there, if you get there, if you just happen to make it, if you just happen to get the perfect physique. And you get on that bodybuilding magazine and you're it. You just happen to make it the people's man of the year, woman of the year, the most attractive person of the year, whatever it is. You happen to make it to the best of the best. You get all the fame. You hit TikTok fame. You hit YouTube fame. You're famous. You get all of it. You got all the money. You've, You've built a company bigger than Amazon. You have made it. Worse than not making it and failing is to find out that you fully made it and it didn't satisfy. That you spent your life... Trying to look good, seem good, or make enough money to feel good about yourself and to find out that it was not what you wanted. To, to drive, all, like just this next promotion. I'm just gonna get this next degree. I'm just gonna get this next thing. Once I get married, then I'm gonna be, once I have kids, once my kids are grown, once I hit retirement, and then to strive for all of these things and to find out, I'm not happy. This doesn't bring me joy. I won and still failed. That's even worse. That's even worse. And I would argue that there's enough people that have done it to prove to us that it will not satisfy. If you can't find joy in who God has called you to be when you're a shepherd with the sheep, then you won't find it when you're a king. If you can't find the joy of God when you're graced with a little bit of money, you're not going to find the joy of the Lord when you got the millions. You're going to find more that you need, more that you want, more that you're hungering for. And so today my challenge is that you assess and you look for the fights that are worth fighting for. And for some of us, it will it'll kind of look the same on the outside. But your motives will be different, right? I, I, hopefully, most of you aren't deciding, well, oh, i got to quit my job. I'm called to full-time ministry. Uh, this just, uh, just is what Jared called me to do. I'm going to go walk the streets, and I'm going to get a bullhorn. i got to buy a bullhorn. I'm just got to save enough money to get a bullhorn. I'm going to yell in the streets and try to get people saved. No, for most of you, that's not the direction you're going to go. For most of you, you're going to stay at the job. But you're going to see the job different. You're going to see it as your opportunity to love somebody, to serve somebody, like Colossians says, as unto the Lord. You're going to see your job and your position and your family and your relationships as opportunity to live out the call of God on your life, as opportunity to fight the good fight of faith, as opportunity that God has placed before you to be faithful with what he's called you to be faithful for. You're going to see this world differently and you're going to find out that the joy that you're called to have us today and the work God has called you to do today, that you have a moment, you have a chance while your kids are this age to love them well. You have a chance while your marriage is still together to love your spouse well. You have a chance in this moment to be a faithful witness to the people at your work who seem like they're in the darkest spot. And the issue is that some of you started out with that motive and it's time to come back to the right fight. Some of us started out doing a business or a job or other things with like, I'm going to provide for my family and love my family well. And it slowly slid back into, I got to look good, show off. I got to make sure that I get the promotion. And if that's you and you slid back, I'm challenging you to come back to the fight that matters. That you fight to love. You fight the fight of ministry, to serve people, to love people, to show people the goodness of Jesus. The reason I know it probably happens is because it can happen in ministry. The reason I know that God needs me here and I also still have to set more boundaries even in ministry because I've seen ministers. I can see it in myself where we can easily get distracted. You would think it's the purest thing. How would we ever get distracted? It's so simple. Just love people well, serve people well, try to win them over for Jesus. But so easily, so quickly, it can turn into about me building me and me looking good to you and speaking a sermon that makes you feel good about yourself so that you go out saying, Jared, that was such a good job, and you clap for me. It can be so easy, even in ministry, to try to build buildings and look good and look like the numbers say that I'm good and miss out on the whole point of the reason I started And that was that there would be a place that people could come and they could find out that there's a God who loves them wherever they're at, whatever they've been through, no matter what is going on in their life, there's a God who loves them here and now. He's not waiting on them to get cleaned up. He's loving them now and said, I've already sent my son to die on the cross for you. I don't need anything more for you. Just follow me. See, it's easy even for me to get distracted. So I know it's easy for you. I know it's easy for all of us. And today I'm challenging you to assess every area of your life and say, what am I fighting for? What am I fighting for? Because I'm I'm fighting to build a church. And I'm not fighting to build a building. I'm fighting to build a group of people who love other people well. I'm fighting to build a community that when somebody comes in, they can feel safe. Safe enough to be messy. Safe enough to say I'm broken. Safe enough to say I need love and I can't find it. Safe enough to ask the questions about who God is. So if if it takes a building to do that, I'm fine with that. But that's not what I'm called to build. I'm called to build a community of people who love. And I'm asking you to join me in this fight. To join me in this fight. So, so first off, as an action step for you today, is to assess every area of your life. Am I fighting the right fight? And then lastly, I want to challenge you to join me in this fight. Join me in the fight to build community. Join me in the fight to build a place where people can come, wherever they're at. They can be as rich as can be, and they have a safe spot to say, you know what, it didn't satisfy. And they can be broke and down on their luck and homeless, and they can come and find a place to say, I'm not, I don't have it all together. I need help a place where both groups can feel safe and to know that there's going to be a group and a community that love them where they're at. Not just with words, but with actions. We're going to figure out ways to communicate love and act in love so they can come to know that God loves them right where they're at, right when they're at. And so next week, uh, we're going to process how. A lot of hows and not just this fight, but all your fights. And, and, and just to lead into it, what I'm going to tell you is that there's two tracks. You need a spiritual track, and you need a natural track, right? Missionaries all over the world have communicated to the American church. It's really difficult to communicate the gospel to a little kid who's hungry. So before I can ever communicate the spiritual, I need to feed the natural. And that's true for everybody. That's not just true in the mission field in Africa. That's true in the mission field of America. It's really difficult to, to communicate how much God loves somebody just in a spiritual sense, you need both. You need actions, and you need the spiritual work. You need both. And so today I'm going I'm to give you an action step for both of those. Uh, we've got a, a, a thing outside uh, that has these black ping pong balls sitting next to it. And le- coming up in two weeks is Easter. And what we know about Easter is there's a whole group of your family, there's a whole group of your friends, there's a whole group of your people at work that know they need to go to church on Easter. They don't, go, they don't go the rest of the year. But for some reason, in our culture, we got to go on Easter. I thought every Sunday was about his resurrection, but apparently it's just one Sunday a year for the rest of the world. And, and I'm not mad about that. I'm not mad about our culture. I'm going to leverage it. And I want to challenge you to leverage it. If they're going to go, get them here. Give them an opportunity. Love them well. Make sure that they know it's Easter because they may have already forgot. Make sure that they know there's an opportunity and a place that's going to love them. Make sure that you are standing in the gap for them, that you are serving them well, loving them well. And there's a spiritual track where we need to be in prayer about that person. And what what this does, what this is going to do for us is going to give us a little bit of accountability for our own sake, because I know I need it. And it's going to give us a little bit of accountability of who we're praying for and who we're believing for and who we can invite. And so what you're going to do when you walk out of here, you can pray. You can take one home if you need to, to to pray about it. And there's a silver marker that you're going to write a name or initial on it. And you're going to drop it in the display case that has a fighting glove in it that says, you know what? I'm fighting for this person. I'm fighting for the ministry God has called me to fight for. I'm fighting for who God has called me to fight for. I'm going to stand in the gap spiritually and I'm going to pray for them. And not only that, you're going to have a group of pastors that are going to be surrounding you in prayer. We're going to pray over all of those names. We're going to believe for them. Sunday morning, we're we'll be praying over throughout the week. We're going to be praying over those names and believing that God is working on your behalf. God is sending things on your behalf. God is setting you up for an opportunity for success because we've, we've done our part spiritually. And then you're going to be challenged to do your part naturally. Right? we got the spiritual track down. You're going to write the name. And then in your seats are Easter invites. So I got the spiritual, I've been praying, I've been believing, I've got a name, I've got a person, I've got two names, I've got three names, whatever it is for you. I've written it down, I'm praying about it, my pastors are praying about it, my church is praying about it, my core team is praying about it. Now God, how do you want me to invite? I got the card. Hey, let me tell you my story about how much God loved me when I was messed up. You should come check out church. Or maybe you're not there yet, and you know you're not there yet, and it's as simple as, I don't know if you go to church, but my church is pretty cool. Come check us out on Easter. It can be whatever it is that you are faithful enough to say, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to look foolish if I have to. I don't care if they laugh at me. I don't care if they think it's stupid that I believe in God. I'm going to do my part and be faithful and trust God with the results. I'm going to do a spiritual track and a physical track. I'm going to be praying about it, and then I'm going to invite. And you're going to find out that you're joining the church in the fight. And as you join the church in the fight, you're going to be d- assessing the fights in your life that you're called to fight. You're going to be assessing, like, am I fighting for what matters? Do I need to be redirected? And why I work here? Why do I fight like this? What am I called to do? There's a spiritual track. and There's a natural track. Let's pray. We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.